Welcome to Probably Science. I'm your host, one of three, in fact. I'm Jesse Case. I'm Matt Kirshen. I'm Andy Wood. And uh, I, I, I've stolen a guest from the show I did last night, or shows I did last night. I did a couple of shows, very, very fun shows, with a stacked bill. And oh, where were you? It was in... Well, let, let, I, let's introduce uh, the yes. fantastic comedian and show promoter and all around good human being charles greaves hey charles hey fellas how are we um, very very charles, nice very intro <laughs> oh yeah very funny man but also a curator of some of the finest shows around la and beyond but um yeah last right. night's show was uh it was, both was two really stack fun. bills both yeah yeah both headlined by sarah silverman who oh, is really yeah. getting the hang of it now she's really <laughs> she's, yeah. she's really got the knack of this whole comedy yeah line. she might make it yeah, I, I have high hopes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. And it was in... What, what even Jam, is that place? Jam in the van. So they uh, they started out, you know, before the pandemic, they had this van that uh, uh, bands would rock out in the back of. And people would come see them. Big time bands, you know. They would uh, set up in the back of this van and people would just... It was like uh, almost like private little events. Um, then obviously the pandemic happened. They're like, we got to do something with this. And they just started, they, you know, they decided like, hey, let's do some comedy shows out of the back of this van. And then it grew from there because it became so big uh, that they were moving it into the venue that you saw last night where we had like the little indoor space and as well as the outdoor space. Yeah. Which is what part of town? Uh, Santa Monica. Is that technically Santa Monica? Because it's before the freeway. It's kind of, is or is it? It's yeah, it's it's like right... It's still like right on the cusp. I guess, you know, I think the address is Santa Monica, but I'm not positive. Yeah, I watched a ton of Jam in the Van on YouTube in the early days of the pandemic as a fix for the lack of live music in the world. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. You know what? Now you mention it, I definitely did see some of those videos as well. So they're great. Yeah, and they're recorded really well. I haven't seen the comedy ones, but are those also on YouTube or is it is the comedy yeah, thing just have, live? They have some of them on YouTube. The thing, you know, with comedy is when you post somebody's bits, it kind of kills Burns it at that material. point. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, they always have to get permission from the comedians like, hey, can I post this or whatever like that? They're, you know, they're very good about it and they set something up very nice for you. They've done a couple of my clips, so I'm very appreciative to the jam crew. Yeah, yeah that's they- great. I have bits um, that can only be done in a van, and I've like never. Been able to do it, you know what I mean? So that's kind of weird. Like I feel, it's I feel. You still call them bits? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, no, I know. Um, hey, there's a no, crazy bit cool. that I'm doing right now. Uh, just stay quiet. Stay quiet while I do this bit. Uh, <laughs> doing this bit where I've been living in here for two years. It's like a funny. I got a funny bit going. Um, that's very cool. I yeah, love man. finding out about stuff like that, man. I got to. Uh, yeah, and see about some see about some spots this winter back out. I I uh, I just found out today. So I'm in Nashville. Um, I was in LA for years, and I had to come back to Nashville for some health stuff, um, which nobody should do. Don't ever go to Nashville <laughs> for health stuff. But if you do, um, I found out there's a Fight Club here. Um, where <laughs> come on, I found out about this, out about this no, today. There's, there's a Fight Club where everyone is wearing medieval armor. But it's like, it's, it's like not like LARPing. It's like real swords and shit. So I'm, I'm like, man, I got to go. It's like in this warehouse. Real and, uh, swords. These guys are yeah. extra. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's not, you know, because sometimes you're driving by a park. You see some people out there with like Nerf guns or whatever. But this is like uh, they really go for it. And I'm, but I'm like, when you well, say go for it, like they don't obviously they don't go for it in terms of like uh, they don't kill people. Other. But what is. Yeah. Well, right. I don't think the there's any. Don't I don't cross. think there's any death. I, I, I just mean they're not. It seems a step above LARPing to me. Uh, if the swords it, are real, but you're not making contact with skin. Do they have horses with lances and stuff like that? Is it all out? Like a joust situation? Do they I don't know. I'm going to have to look into this. Do they get horses into this basement that I presume it's in? <laughs> right. Right. Do they have spike never, balls on the end of a chain? Like, I need information. Yeah. I've never seen a real joust. I saw like a, you know. I mean, we've, yeah, we're we, all, none of us are we've strangers. We've seen like the medieval f- times version. Yeah, none of us are strangers <laughs> to a fake joust. Obviously, <laughs> uh, try to stay relatable on the pod. I just mean, <laughs> it's, um, hold on, Nashville medieval fight club. I, I don't know how to. 
Oh maybe maybe gosh. this guy was pulling my leg. I had, I had coffee with. Oh yeah, uh, every Wednesday, Nashville Armored Combat. All right, come on. Every Wednesday. That's that's it's every Wednesday. We need time to recover from our sword wounds. (laughs) Hold on. Yeah, it's armored. I'm I'm just immediately plugging these guys I just heard about, but it's a. let me let me put the link in the thing. Yeah, here. we might want to double check and see, make sure it's not some sort of neo-Nazi thing. Right. Like, they have, how many how many runes do they have in their crest? Right, <laughs> like, right. Oh my gosh! Uh, no, they're in a cage. Advertisement for them. Yeah, they're in a cage here. Uh, in a cage. Oh man. It's how many rules of, MMA? It says. How many rules of armored combat club are you breaking right now? By. I don't know. I'm, I got to check out the FAQ. Oh, it says here that uh, some of the proceeds go to Armored Hearts. And that's an outreach oh. program that coordinates with other nonprofits. What the Come fuck on. am I getting into here? Hold on. Are there what? dragons? This... If there's dragons, I'm joining. Obviously, there's there are dragons. Well, hold on. They have merch. There's an armory. You're checking Southwest flights to Nashville right now. Immediately. I'm like, I need um, to be a part of this. The f- the. F- Okay, it says, here's in the, the frequently asked questions, right? Uh, is this LARPing? And they go, no. This is, a oh, full yes, con- is. this is a full contact sport with real steel weapons. Think of it as medieval MMA. However, the majority of the best players in the U.S. come from a LARPing or buffering background. Come on. Wait, what's buffering? LARP is live action role play, right? That's what that stands for. Yeah, um, now I got to look up what is buffer. Bo- buffer, is that also an acronym or is that? Uh, that's a foam weapon. It refers okay. to a contact weapon. <laughs> That's a boffer. We're talking about like a American Gladiator's giant Q-tip type thing. Oh boy. Right? Yeah. So that's a yeah. so so the players come from boffering, the boffering community. The boffering. Uh, they're like, this is too soft for me. I need to yeah. have. Uh, I need to have a harder striking surface right now. So yeah, I mean, Nashville Armored Combat. I got. I'm obviously need to get involved somehow. But it's a charity. It's a charity. I use yeah, armored. Sure, hearts. it's a good thing to do. Yeah, yeah it's a good sure. thing to do. Yeah, um, just beat people over the head, you know. Uh, LARP for a cure. Yeah. Wow, this is a. This, I'm intrigued now. I forgot how this came up. Did you meet someone who does this, or you went to it, or what was the? Uh... No, I was just I was having, having coffee with a buddy um, like two hours ago, and he was telling me he was there's this dive bar that um, is up the street, and he was telling me he was there and he met an armored combatant. And um, all good you know. stories come from dive bars. All good yeah. stories. So, do they walk? You know, like you know, if you see like a sort of softball game or whatever, people normally go into the bar still wearing their kits. If it's like a pickup game, that kind of thing. Do they just carry on into the dive bar fully armored up? What are the rules? Do you have to have yeah, I don't, helmet I, before you get served? Or like, how does this work? I I don't know. I don't even know if this place has mead. But you go in yeah. there and you're. Uh, do you, oh, do you have to leave your swords at the door? Like, what well, is it like? Tavern, medieval tavern. I don't rules? know the like, rules. I don't know the rules. I oh, so on Wednesday and the 26th they have something. This sounds so unbearable to me. Uh, they have uh, the Gords and Swords Burlesque and Armored Combat Party. All right, all right. Yeah, I kind of like that actually. Yeah, I knew. It, I knew it was at some point going to go to the sexual place. I knew it. It had to. It has to. Um. Anyway, they're yeah. Sex drives they, all innovations. Absolutely. They say that. Does this count as an innovation? I think it's a re- retrograde step. Retrovation. What's the outovation? What's the what's the reverse of an innovation? Where you're I, literally regressing in technology. Sure. Let's say outovation. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> we can make yeah, this. Is, uh, That's fine. My my brain's just going to dark places because I just finished the Dahmer Netflix show. Um, but oh boy. no, it, it's, it seems like it's harmless fun. And uh, <laughs> I, this, you guys this frequently asked questions. The frequently asked questions is, um, can I be a Viking? And then it goes, no, because <laughs> because the armor the armor permitted in our sport must fall between late twelfth and early seventeenth century styles for safety reasons. <laughs> for safety <laughs> reasons, and they're emphatic about no. How dare no. you? Why would you this even? Has been a, this is a problem that we've had already. <laughs> like, Wait, we wouldn't that... have had this in the rules if we haven't had multiple issues with multiple Vikings showing up, expecting just to sit in, take your horns off, willy nilly. <laughs> yeah. Come on, Lagnar, Ragnar, get you, out of here. Yeah. Does that mean there were no Vikings for five hundred years there? Like, what? Yeah, I don't. I, well, Vikings were the ninth to eleventh century. Oh, and then they just uh, stopped being Vikings. 
It says that that being said, there are Eastern European kits that resemble the kind of Viking helmet you would see in the movies. For your own safety, it's best to consult your coach before any armor purchases to be sure your needs are being met. Uh, all right. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. I, you, you'd, you'd anyway, I got to go like to a... this. Yeah, but I think the listeners are going to have to get an update on this. Yeah, obviously, I'm going to go to this this Wednesday, and uh, I'll be back with details. I didn't mean to immediately derail everything. Um, sorry about that. No, wait. Can we link to this? Thing? Oh, you did. I'm sorry. NashvilleHarvardCombat.com. Yeah. Excellent. Anyway, it's a very similar thing to like comedy in a van where you hear about it and you're like, yeah, oh, of course. Of it... course I'm all in. Okay. I'm all See, in. We're wrapping it all together here. Yeah. It makes sense now. <laughs> but I just well, mean just the, you... just the name of it. You're like, yeah, obviously I'm going to go to that every week. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, while we're talking about uh, what combat and, and rules, and uh, we have a correction from my friend Alexis who messaged about the uh, the potential chess cheating story from last week and the, the possibility oh of vibrating anal beads. So, vibrating uh, anal beads. A, that guy was killing the game. A clarification from, from Alexis saying, by the way, he thinks that Andy did a good job of life fact-checking in the end. But as, as Alexis, who's a big uh, chess fan and player... Uh, sure, that's the reason. Say, yep, yep. Yep. Uh, he says, if, if I recall correctly, the whole theory, and he's put whole with a W at the beginning in brackets, Okay. Uh, yes. originated from a jokey Reddit post that was then boosted by some big reach accounts, perhaps Elon Musk. Uh, I think it was Elon Musk who signal boosted mm. it. I, okay. Signal boost is the wrong word there. I think the idea of using Morse code to transmit a move instruction would be workable, and I think there there is an Internet of Things source code for stuff like that out there already. But, and again, T at the end in brackets, the real story was that this guy, Hans Neiman, was a known online cheater before the tournament. Since online and over-the-board player typically administers separately, infractions online have had no impact on his right to play over the board. The two guys that contested the last World Championship apparently complained when Neiman was invited to the tournament as a replacement for one player that had to pull out. When the World Champion lost to him, he quit the tournament and out... Uh, announced via a cryptic tweet. Since then, this story has been dominating the chess world. The beast thing is totally made up, but has helped chess to cross over into mainstream media coverage for once. <clears throat> so, so it's like odds are very good this guy was cheating, and then we're just left to guess how because yeah, he has a record of this and did other something. Other people have done anomalous. like uh, other analyses, like statistical analysis analyses of his mood, and I think the jury is out as to whether or not he was cheating. Well, but, the, uh, they've but just done an investigation. Known- and they yep. find they found that he th- this a chess investigation. I don't know who does that, but a chestigation, a chestigation, uh, they f- or an investigate chess. Yep, that's the one I'd go with. They uh, they says they say that he likely cheated more than a hundred times. Um, right, but, I don't but that know. but that's his online games. I think that's the issue. Yeah, that yeah, because I think I read that article as well, and that that's all based on his online games, which is Alexis was saying. There's like separate. It's separate codes and separate organizations that set the rules for internet play and in-person play. All right. So, but he he definitely has. I think the suspicion was raised by the fact that he he beat the best player in the world with the black pieces while he is significantly lower ranked, and he has a has had a very very rapid rise in the chess rankings. Mm-hmm. He won of, with the black pieces. I wonder if there's anything behind that. For those that so, are not, uh, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm yeah. a black guy. I had to make the joke, you know. But is that, I actually don't know. It's black goes well, second. So black goes second. Black goes second in chess. Oh, okay. so, so yeah, you have black a is at a statistical dis- disadvantage. Um, it's, it's marginal, but at the high levels, it's... It makes a difference. Enough to make so, some difference. It's no, yeah. So well, it's, I think it's I think it's pretty systemic. I wouldn't call it marginal. I, um, <laughs> I've, you know, I've studied that it, it's um, it's a big it's, problem. I, I uh, it's very interesting. This uh, a chess cheating. There's in Nashville. They have uh, armored chess. It's every Tuesday. It's people in <laughs> well, full. <laughs> there is chess boxing, which we have mentioned in past years. What are you talking show. about? What are you chess talking about? Chess boxing. The sports of chess boxing, where they alternate a game of rapid chess or blitz chess i'm not sure what the the time restriction is but it's a quick like quick games of chess in between rounds of boxing and you win by either knockout or checkmate that's mm. hilarious it's, i would not I think want to I face tj chambers in this one <laughs> yeah well that's the thing like you, I, I wonder whether could a oh maybe it doesn't have to be a, a blitz thing if it's if it's the same game ongoing i don't know whether they 
I don't know how it works, whether you play, like, individual games or whether it's, like, one chess game that goes throughout the... the surely, bounce. surely it is. It must um, be, right? So, so maybe it's a longer time restriction and then it's just, like, three minutes of chess playing or a certain amount on each clock. So, yeah, I'm, I'm wondering whether... Someone like rounds. Magnus Carlsen, who was the one who was accusing this guy of... Whether, if, he, if he could just learn... Being, yeah, learn to take a punch in his first just, round. Just the most basic... Yeah, if he could just... Le- le- the, like the most basic... Because ch- I think of the first round is boxing. So if he can hold off for just three minutes of a boxing match, c- would he then be able to... There's no chance. In this sport? There's no <laughs> chance. As a boxer, I'm going to let you know right now, if I were to take on somebody... Uh, who is who is who is an untrained chess champion? Untrained you, dude. They you, couldn't. And you wouldn't, for three you wouldn't get to the board. You wouldn't. No, there's no. T- he wouldn't. He'd have. No, he'd better finish me. Uh, they better like change the rules and make the chess first because he wouldn't survive. <laughs> right. It would not really happen. You think someone who doesn't so you think box an, an, no chance an amateur because, can't do what is it three minutes per round? An amateur fighter who's had some experience could maybe last, but if you're going up against someone who's done it for years and is trained right. and understands the you know the intricacies of the sport, you're not surviving those first three minutes. It's not gonna oh happen. Oh my god, really? Okay. There's no chance. Huh. That's why you know my friends like to take me out when they have trouble to because they're like, well, Charles will take <laughs> care of it, and I'm like, this is the problem with being a boxer, man. You guys always want to like. Have me like I'm your hired muscle. Like, dude, I am a person. I have kids. Like, stop. Where it. do you where do you train? Oh, uh, I used to train at the wildcard gym in Hollywood. That's what I was gonna ask. That's where I'm pretty sure that's where TJ goes as well. Have we had this Is conversation? That Valley Village area? No, that's uh right in Hollywood it's, on Vine. Like Vine and Santa that's Monica. The, that's the one that Manny Pacquiao is associated Correct. with, right? Yes. Oh, is that yeah. TJ's? I thought his was the Valley one, but I don't know. And I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it's Wildcard oh. was where he. Where yeah, Wildcard with uh, Freddie Roach and Manny and um, James Tony used to train that train there. Uh, so it, yeah, it's a great gym. I'm giving well, Freddie some great publicity right classic now. Classic boxing names: Freddie and Tony, and like <laughs> it's just you know what I mean. You gotta like. I don't know why. Do you go by Charlie? Is that your boxing name? Would you go no, by Charlie? No, it was Charles. Charles. Charles Greaves, okay. but, you know, um, just, you know, the random people off the street would love, like, they are like, oh, hey, they come in, like, let me spar right now. And you're like, that's not what you want to do, dude. You need to train and get used to right. this first. Like, and also, it, no Viking armor. Stop doing No Viking armor. You, know, you ever get here. punched in the nose? Has anybody, like, you gotten punched in the nose? That feeling of your eyes watering the first time you get punched in the nose is serious. And yeah. a lot of people come in, they don't understand. And they're like, I just want to spar. And they get punched in the nose and they're, they're disoriented. They're like, what just happened to me? I'm like, you got it. That's a muscle you have to build up, dude. Like, this is not overnight. And um, go ahead. Yeah. I am, I'm now looking at the rules of chess boxing online. It starts and ends with chess. So I'm, I'm swinging it back to Team Carlson as a possible. If he can dispatch anyone in the, that first three minutes. Yeah, you would, you would have to beat me. You would have to. And I That's can survive so roll a little the bit dice, though. Chess. Can you can you imagine his his fear if it was uh, you know round, <laughs> like yeah like Carlson versus Mayweather and then Mayweather's just like hold, <laughs> holds off for three minutes and Carlson's like having a fucking panic attack while he's, he's like dude move yeah. the piece come on <laughs> but hang on yeah I'm trying to work out how it works with the time controls of yeah each round lasts three minutes but the chess rounds up I don't know how the time control for the chess works because if it's just yeah, I would just wait it out. I mean, make you have to have strong skills in both chess and boxing to be permitted to compete in a chess boxing fight. Interesting. Yeah, it can't be. You, you, you hope to never reach your the bad yeah. round. You currently have to, the requirements are to, to compete in a global event include an ELO that's chess rating of sixteen hundred or more, and a record of at least fifty amateur bouts fought in either boxing or similar martial arts. Mm. <sighs> Okay. Wow. See, now you have a chance. Now you got yeah. you got a little bit of a chance because you've had some training, so you understand how it works. Yeah. The, the Venn diagram of people who qualify for all that—it's just like this. Sliver it's got to be small. Two yeah. If they, yeah, man. If they did weigh-ins at chess tournaments, it's like never. <laughs> it's got to be like eight people who can qualify for that. <laughs> yeah. Just, That's it. Yeah. You need to be able to. Apparently, it says on Wikipedia. 
the switch between chess and boxing becomes increasingly hard for the athletes as the content the contest progresses. <laughs> really? Who, who would have thought that? That's crazy. I just crazy. can't believe this hasn't been televised. This seems like in the heyday of Spike <laughs> TV or something. Like, I would watch every episode. Get the Sklars to host it. Like, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Perfect those are my host. guys, man. I love those. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Charles, when we're, we're not when we're not when you're not boxing training, we we don't have guests uh, to ask guests all the, uh, this every. Wow, I feel like I've been pushing the head now. I've just described the game, and that was enough for me to be just a little bit phased and a little, see what happens. Just, yeah, a little bit stunned. <laughs> I've got I've got the little stars above my head, and I have to wait for them to disappear before I can punch again. I think that's how it works. <laughs> Uh, Charles, what, if anything, is your background in science? And that has ranged from a degree that people have done to blowing stuff up in the woods with their friends to classes they liked, classes they hated. Oh, well, um, I am currently I study uh, social sciences. I I love psychology. I um, uh, was trying to get my degree in family marriage therapy um, actually during the pandemic. It's because it's something I'm passionate about. Um, Cool. Uh, I'm still working towards it. It's just, you know, some hiccups, you know, positive things happened, you know, um, but, you know, yeah, my career of uh, acting and comedy kind of trumped that. Um, But I also when I was a when I was, you know, in college, I was a chemistry major. Um, But I did. Oh, cool. Yeah, I did change that because I hate I just I no longer loved it. I loved chemistry in high school. And then when I got to college. The professors were so, you know what, for lack of, they were brilliant. And they told, they let us know, like from the beginning, like, look, we're geniuses. We are certified geniuses. So it's weird to us when you don't understand this. And they did not know how to teach very well. I had one oh, really terrible. good. Oh, it was terrible. I had one really good professor, but the rest of them um, were nice enough dudes, like, you know, but they just were so brilliant. And they're like, we have a hard time understanding how you don't get this. And I'm like, can you help me? Can you relate this in some way? Like my high school teacher was very, very passionate and she was very good about, you know, getting the information out there in a way that yeah. you can understand it. And I, I was I was very good in high school at chemistry. And then I got to college. And I was like, this is no longer fun. I hate yeah, now it. you have bullies for professors. Oh, yeah. They're high fiving each they other were. as they're dunking on you guys. Oh, they I totally also were. I stand by. Uh, sorry, I, I talked over there. But um, I still stand by Richard Feynman's uh, general rule that if you can't explain something simply, you don't truly understand it. Hmm. I like that. Which, okay. Um, so I, I think I think to him he would uh, he would claim that your professors are very skilled in their subject, but not don't don't have the deep, truly intuitive understanding of it that. A master of the subject would because they would then be able to explain it in simpler terms well you know it was uh it was straight like i had an epiphany like i had a moment of clarity when i was it was a uh, sophomore year i had gotten like i had scholarships and grants and everything to go to school and then when i had um i failed uh uh physics and chemistry the same semester i had organic chemistry and physics and it wasn't because I wasn't good enough. It was because I had so much going on. Like, I was homeless. I uh, My roommate had tried to kill himself. It was so much going on wow. that semester. Yeah, it was nuts. And um, But I had an epiphany during my, one of my labs. Uh, the professor was like, you know, you're always telling jokes. You're always doing comedy. Um, and you're always reciting lines from different movies and stuff. Like, that is your... like." But he tried to say it like it was a... a insult and i was like actually no dude like i love this stuff um and i was like I, what are you a clown you're like yeah you know what i could be I now could you come be. to mention it thank you professor thank you and uh i never forget professor eberhardt hate that guy and no i don't hate him um but <laughs> he was very like emphatic about it and i was like you're trying to insult me i was like dude i actually only became a chemistry major because of so much pressure from i look i took advice from the outside world and you know i'm not blaming them like i just was like this is the way i should go like because i wanted to do acting and comedy and they were like there's no future in that and i was like all right you know what you're right let me i love i love science anyway like i want to be a plastic surgeon ithaca where i went didn't have a, a medical um like they didn't have pre-med as a major, but you can have a concentration. So I was like, well, I'll do chemistry and have a concentration and 
pre-med and go to you know medical school and be a plastic surgeon but i immediately i knew i was like this sucks i hate this now um and it also testament to my high school teachers who were phenomenal at getting that information across and being able to cultivate this love for science that i had but uh college destroyed that for me that's uh we've had different versions of that story so many times of of I both great and bad teachers inspiring and then killing subjects for people. Oh yeah, destroyed it. And like, you know, they were not like I had Professor Coke was the the guy who I failed his class. It was organic chemistry, and I was I had like a, a B minus in the class at the time. And like my roommate had tried to kill himself, and who was who was also a chemistry major with me. And Professor Coke took me in his office and was just like, "Hey man, you're." your grades are slipping he's like you're about an a student with a c plus b minus average right now and it, i see it dropping even further like you're struggling right now i think you should take an incomplete this semester and come back and finish off i said all right whatever you need to me to do i'll do that and i took the incomplete where i tried to take the incomplete he never filled out the paperwork so i get a, a letter in the mail like hey you failed these two subjects and due to the fact that you have these grants and scholarships and stuff you have to go to a community college get your grades back up and then come back and i was like he never felt like what the hell but he was gone on vacation so i couldn't get a hold of him um so with the you know i i went to the community college came back and i was like hey man like what happened he was like you know what that's a mistake like let's rectify it and i was like you know what i'm done i don't want to do chemistry anymore anyway i'm going to create my own major and i'm going to go the path that i want to do anyway so i did that and um but i never lost my passion for science like i still love science and i you know i uh the social science has really got me i love psychology and um that's why and i also believe in therapy a lot so that's why i'm trying to become a family marriage therapist oh that's cool awesome. <laughs> yeah yeah that's great i don't as know well. if there's any need for therapists these days now though i think everyone's kind of <laughs> yeah things are stress-free yeah i think, it's, yeah, yeah, I think it's probably a dying dying industry <laughs> yeah <laughs> these last couple of years have been you know pretty easy on everybody i think you know i should be all right <laughs> my uh therapist here in town um was one of the people that that helped sort of break out act like that, that philosophy of therapy, um, the like acceptance commitments, I don't know the CBT, but then now like ACT is kind of getting in vogue. Um, okay. so Wait, it's very what? like, what is uh, CBT is cognitive behavioral therapy. That's like, so it used one to of two be, things, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. But back in the day it was all <laughs> analysis. You know what I'm saying? It was all like, no, I'm talking about the other thing it stands. Forget it. it. It came up on Jordan, Jesse go recently. And I'm sure it's been said many times before that, that there, there are two things that that stands for. Oh, right. Right. Yes. Yes. Anyway. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, so I was like, uh, it's kind of weird how like getting in the, it's like my therapist is very old school, but like seventies old school, which is new school in therapy. If that makes sense. <laughs> yes. It's yeah, not yeah, like yeah. it's okay. not like lay on your cat lay on the couch and tell me about your dad or whatever. It's like um it's it's very lean in, but it gets a little, you know. Also, this needs to be said for any of you people out there that are doing ther uh, not doing therapy, but are thinking about becoming therapists, right? Charles yourself included. Uh don't fill your office up with a bunch of shit that your partner just doesn't like in the house at home. You know what I mean? It's horrible. My, my, therapist, off, my therapist is really into geology, uh, but that, make, that means her office is full of a bunch of crystals and shit, and then I think she's going to be like a horrible therapist, like all new age, and she's not at all. Um, but it's just because her husband's like, why, there's stuff all over the kitchen table. Do all the you time. walk in and ask immediately, hey, is, is, is uh, Mercury in retrograde? And you, you make your <laughs> yeah. decision off of that? Like, and she's right, like, oh, right. absolutely. Like, all right, I got to go. I'll see you. Yeah, I got to get out of here. Can we move this one just an inch to the left just because I think the vibration's off? <laughs> it's <laughs> no, it's, it's 100% not her thing. She's, she's very into uh, geology, but like, um, yeah, it's pretty brutal. Pretty brutal. So I just imagine it makes a lot of sense in hindsight. Like uh, I had a therapist when I was in high school and I always thought, oh, this is a cool guy because like his office, he had a bunch of posters for like blues concerts. Then he had like a guitar and an amp, you know, 
And then now I'm just like, oh, his wife just didn't want him, like his man cave. <laughs> like she's just like, get rid of this shit. And he's, he's well, like, there's the I'll idea that surrounding your, you know, there is the idea of surrounding yourself with things that make you comfortable, and it allows you to tap into a different part of yourself that, you know, equates to positivity. Sure. That's why I'm surrounded by Viking swords right now. I'm yes. sorry. That's not <laughs> very not allowed. No, they're no, not allowed. Not allowed, Dandy. You you <laughs> cannot continue on this podcast if you do not get appropriate armor. <laughs> Take those horns off of your head. <laughs> From my cold dead skull. <laughs> <laughs> you better cast that drinking vessel into the fire and get yourself something more appropriate. Well, uh, chemistry, I've always found to be very, very uh, interesting. I've always been very bad at it. But it's always weird when a new formula is discovered or what an old formula is. You guys know what I'm saying? Like, sometimes they'll be like, what is this thing? Let's, like, what what is it made of, right? And mm. I, I just, yeah, I want to let you guys know that for the first time, uh, conclusively, conclusive evidence on what is squirting. What is it? Wait, did you link this article? Oh, you just did. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. You're going to do one of the ones Matt had put up. No. Yeah. Uh, I was, I, yeah, I was like, I, I had a story about launching a spacecraft. I was like, where are you going with this one? <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> guys. Squirting. What is squirting and how, and how much thrust does it provide potentially? Uh, so, so female emission and orgasm, it's confirmed to release fluid from the bladder. Finally, an answer. Finally. Um, some I, mean, women I think we really, all kind of knew it, it was pee. We kind of knew this the whole well, time. It, well, it's I mean, not. Here's ser, the thing. Or, sort of. Um, it's not complete. Not not all from the bladder. There is like a fluid buildup. Like there's like a pressure in the the lining of the the vagina. You can feel the pressure build up. So it's not completely all from there. But yes, it I'm is. Charles. I've given a woman an <laughs> orgasm. All right. Listen. Oh boy. All right. Wow. <laughs> Did I? Did I just? Did I just? Uh, you know. I'm Charles. I've I had outed sex myself. <laughs> All right. I've All outed right. myself. I apologize. Um, the the squirting that some women are known to experience in orgasm has been confirmed to be liquid that's expelled from the bladder, helping to clear up a long running mystery. Women can produce several types of fluid during sex. At the arousal stage, lubricating fluids released by the vagina. Then, as orgasms reach, two other types of fluid can sometimes be expelled from the urethra. A milky fluid secreted in small amounts and a clear fluid released in large volumes, often hundreds of milliliters. Until recently, both orgasm fluids were described as female ejaculation. However, this term is now reserved for the milky fluid, while squirting is used to describe the release of the clear fluid. About 5% of women in Western countries are thought to experience squirting, but what the fluid is and where it comes from has been uncertain. Now, 2014 study led by a French gynecologist, Samuel Salama. Now he's at the Poissy Saint Germain in Lay Hospital in the Paris. What? <laughs> uh, the the Poissy, Poissy Saint Germain in Lay Hospital. Of course, he studied vaginas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so he suggested that squirting involves the expulsion of urine from the bladder, since ultrasounds on seven women who could squirt showed their bladders were full just before squirting and empty directly afterwards. To find out for sure, Miyabi Inu, a urologist at Miyabi Urogyne Clinic in Japan, and her colleagues injected blue dye mixed with water into the bladders of five female volunteers who could squirt. A male volunteer then sexually stimulated the women until they, <laughs> until they squirted, and a researcher caught the ejected liquid in a sterile cup. And then high-fived. Yep. Nice. It's, it's difficult to Where do to people collect. sign up for these studies? I don't... I, yeah, those are... Uh, yeah, that's some different... That's some different standards over there on the old double that's blind. That's different science. Um, I love it. Good for them. Uh, it, it's difficult to collect squirted fluid because the direction of squirting is variable, says Inouye. In all cases, the squirted liquid was blue. This confirms uh. that squirting does seem to originate from the bladder, says Jessica Paffs at the University of Gothenburg in Sweden. But there are so many questions. Like, does the liquid have the same composition as urine? And why is it that some women expel this liquid and others don't, she says. The women in the study all had good bladder control, suggesting their squirting wasn't caused by urinary incontinence. At the time of squirting... Four women in the study also appeared to experience female ejaculation. Now, this distinct physiological process involves the secretion of a few milliliters or less of thick, milky fluid from small glands next to the urethra called Skene's glands 
or the female yes, the prostate. The skein's gland. The skein's glands. Yeah, uh, the fluid contains prostate-specific antigen, PSA, which is also present in the ejaculate produced by the male prostate. The squirted liquid from four of the women in the study was found to contain PSA, suggesting they produced female ejaculate around the same time as they squirted urine and the two fluids mixed together in the urethra. PAFS has found that women's experience of squirting very widely. She interviewed 28 women in Sweden who could squirt and found that it was highly pleasurable for some, while others described it as an overrated or embarrassing experience. Some said they squirted involuntarily, while others learned how to do it with practice. Paps also studied women's experiences for squirting in Rwanda, where it is highly celebrated. Women in Rwanda talk about it as the highest level of satisfaction. It's connected to relaxation and release, and they pass the knowledge of how to do it down from generation to generation. Pass the knowledge down. That's the type of society I'm talking about. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's a Thanksgiving this, this, dinner. Yeah, that's... But this still... Like, that, that still doesn't answer the question, though, right? Because it's still saying, like, some... If there's blue dye in there, that still says like some of it comes from the bladder, clearly, but that doesn't right. say that it's the same. So here's it doesn't say that it's a hundred percent the same. So so here's my take from uh from the from experiencing it myself. There's been times where it's like it's happened multiple times in one session. So sure. it leads me to believe like how could that all be coming from the bladder? Because she could not have built that up within a, a matter of five minutes like she didn't down a you know a gallon of water in between so like where is this all coming from it can't all be from the bladder because i tell you what when i pee you you're not gonna get me to pee again in five minutes like it's just not gonna happen and that, that right. dog sounded like it was like censoring something by the way it was, it was like was trying like, to right, block right. out right. what i was saying <laughs> all right. perfect i mean we, perfect we can timing. agree though it's going to be a mixture of something already there I mean, absolutely we, We've learned, I feel at this point, I mean, we don't have teleportation yet or time travel, but we know the bodily fluids. We've learned about, we know what they are. Like, there's not like a hidden whoopee cushion full of something. We know them, we've got the songs for them. Right. Right. There's no hidden thing. So it seems like it's it's mainly piss, mainly, um, but not fully piss. And I, So I guess a lot of it, for me, the, the curiosity here is the... Um, like the what triggers like like Charles like you were saying that much piss to, I, I don't know how much of our bladder we're holding back every time we pee and then if that is well, that's, physiologically that's actually, forced in some way they can check that with ultrasounds they do that all the time like they you know when you have to do certain tests they're like hey make sure your bladder is full because we're checking you know, right. especially, you know, especially in women, like, hey, we're checking to see what's going on down there. We're doing ultrasounds and then they have you release it like, you know, and they're like, all right, you're completely empty. Here we go. And we're okay. checking that out. So, it, you know, there is, you know, ways to test that. That's why For sure. I wish that they would do more. I mean, to be honest with you, it's not that big of a deal to be like, oh, it's, you know, coming from what. But people get angry about it. Like there's girls who are like, it's piss. Why do you want me to pee on you? It's like I, no one wants to be like. I mean, I can't say no one, but there are people out there like that. Um, sure. But that's not, you know, it's just, <laughs> it's just like, hey, like it is what it is. Like some people do it. Some people don't. If you can, great. If you can't, great. Like no one's holding you to this standard. Like you have to do it. Um, except in Rwanda. Rwanda. Of course. Except yeah, for Rwanda. You like, right. If, you, get, if you don't get that done, you know, you're yeah. cast out of society. Hmm. Like this is yeah, not it's... for you. Uh, hey, do you know another way to get cast out of society? What was that? that? With high amounts of uh, spin. Okay. Uh, oh, a catapult, sure. yeah. So NASA, this story I think was sent in by Justin Broad. Uh, spin launch, this is from interestingengineering.com, which is, uh, well, let's see. Let's see if the the title of this website is accurate. But US startup Spin Launch the company that aims to disrupt the rapidly growing satellite launch industry by catapulting payloads into space with minimal rocket fuel has just passed a massive test. The company launched a NASA payload into the sky before recovering it and inspecting the contents to see how they fared after being spun around in its suborbital accelerator at up to 10,000 G and 5,000 miles per hour. 10,000 G, oh my God. Yeah. I think I don't know how you'd fare if you were kind of like strapped into that thing. Uh, 
I'm a little that's a, I'm I'm a little confused, and I think the the choice of words there was a little awkward as well. Um, a NASA so, load, so NASA payload. So basically, awesome. Yeah. So so uh, <laughs> which, by the way, is mostly considered to be pee. Yeah, but it yes, is. It's yeah. mostly pee. They injected some blue dye in there, but it's um. Yeah, so so basically they're launching some kind of NASA probe, NASA um, some kind of piece of NASA engineering. But quite often nowadays, because NASA doesn't have its own rockets right now, it is um, they are launched by third-party companies such as Boeing or SpaceX. So now this spin launch catapult company. So rather than using rocketry, it spins this thing round at a ridiculous pace and a ridiculous. Um, and like a ridiculous g-force and then releases it into the sky sort of like gravitron do you guys remember that yep yeah yeah or, just, or basically you know just like any kind of slingshot you know just like the way you would s- swing something around your head and then release it in, you know, well, not you any kind it. of not the elastic slingshots but yeah yeah those no, are just but, a, but like, those are like a bow and arrow th- type thing yeah. yeah but uh well actually they're different again because bow and arrows this the, the the, except for the kid sets, which actually have elastic, like an actual bow and arrow, it's the wood that springs rather than the string. Right. Um, but you can't. But, those aren't uh, allowed on Wednesday. You can't bring those. You can, <laughs> no, no, no. You when can't. you come to fight, when you come to Armored Fight Club, you can't. No bow. What if you arrow. just show up to that thing with just a crossbow? A crossbow. <laughs> <Just like laughs> it's technically like, accurate. What the hell is this? Yeah. Show me in the rules. Yeah. Show me in the rules where this is okay. <laughs> just a, a fire so breathing like siege breaker machine. You roll you in a scope on there. Is there a scope on the end of your crossbow? It's just a red dots appearing on the gap between your armor. Did you just pour hot oil on your opponent? <laughs> I love it. So that this is their tenth successful launch, and it was carried out from Spaceport America, which is in New Mexico. Is part of a testing campaign to determine whether scientific payloads and satellites could survive the stress of its launch procedure. In a press statement, the firm said the latest flight demonstrated the satellite components used are inherently compatible with the company's launch environment. Earlier this year, NASA announced it has signed a Space Act Agreement contract to launch Spin Launch's technology by having a payload launched by the company's kinetic launch system. And they, they, they watched on as it launched on September 27th. NASA's wasn't the only payload flung into the sky. It also catapulted payloads from Airbus, Cornell, and satellite developer Outpost. They were all spun around the company's suborbital accelerator at a 10,000 G before being launched skywards. The NASA's payloads was designed to capture critical flight data, featured a gyroscope, uh, a magnetometer, two accelerometers, and sensors for temperature and humidity. Mm. So... Just seems like the things you can launch with this, the, uh, that that 10,000G just has to put a big limit on what, what can, can be, be productively used in this and not ruined in the process. Yes, right. it, that's true. But it also does say in this article that it's it'll be much cheaper as it eliminates 70% of the fuel and infrastructure requirements of a traditional rocket launch. And it's but you, also you more can't do this like if... It, you can't do this if a guy then has to, has to run 100 feet with a spoon holding an egg. you know he's not going to be able to (laughs) surely not going to be able to do this uh get himself a free jersey um yeah (laughs) yeah wow so it's also more environmentally friendly because it only uses a small rocket engine for the final orbital insertion everything else is not burning rocketry burning rocketry you know what i mean Mm. Mm. that is interesting yeah, oh, oh, this is a 33-meter diameter version as a prototype. Its eventual full-size one will be 100 meters diameter. Oh, my God. Which I hope to have ready for operational launches by 2026. How ridiculous will the G-Force be on that thing, then? Because that's, again, yeah. by the way, I think the most that a human can withstand for any degree of time is about 10G. I think um, they can they can withstand more for very short amounts of time, but, like, 10G is what a, an astronaut will get up to at the at its peak, I yeah. think. Not not ten thousand, um, but yeah, ten thousand times more cheap. Just balls. insane! Like, how does this? I feel like this is just gonna. It's an accident waiting to happen. As far as yeah. the actual that spinner means, part like, falling apart, a hundred grams an an apple, which is about a hundred grams, would have a would have a weight of one ton. Oh my god! Wow. Right, I think that's correct. Right, Cause, yeah, and ten thousand times a hundred grams, and they're 
swinging this around into some a device and like let's say they release it at the wrong time and it like, you know, <laughs> like goes through my like, skull i'm i'm gonna call <laughs> no on i'm gonna say just no no i'm well, okay that's uh well, I mean, I always feel the same if, you know, if a rocket tips over. I mean, we've all been to fireworks, <laughs> like That's backyard true. fireworks displays where someone but doesn't I have quite a lot more control. Correctly. I have a lot more control over where the how the rocket is being held up compared to like if I'm swinging yeah. this thing. Well, this thing does have, I, I don't know, because this thing, if you look at the picture on the link, there is only one, it basically looks like a circle with a chimney off uh, attached to one side of it, a vertical chimney. Which, by the way, has a little has a little hat on it, like a little cap, which is quite optimistic. Nice. I think if something's being shot, I don't. Is that like a sort of closing the plug? Because if something's being shot at a ten thousand G, I don't know how much that little lid is going to do. But it is it is pointing <laughs> directly vertical, so I think it can only go one way. It can only it I can see. only escape in one direction. Interesting. Well, I mean, who's going to be the first to try it? <laughs> it's not I, said the Charles. Yeah, well, this is this is definitely this. This cannot be anything that humans could go into. This has to be just fairly hardy um, equipment, like physical equipment. But I mean, I got it. I be honest, I, Steve will try. Yeah, of <laughs> course, Steve will try. This is I'm Steve-O, and this is spin launch, <laughs> <laughs> and he'll survive. That guy survives everything. I mean, I don't know how. Yeah, and it seems like, and he got sober, and now he like seems like he got his shit together. I'm like, so it's just a wash. Everything you did is just <laughs> forgiven. You're just good. Like how? You know yeah, what? He's a, a he's a really he's a really nice guy too. He's a very good dude. Oh, it seems like it. Yeah, I've yeah, seen especially like nice seen him interviewed since getting sober and like yeah. Oh man, I'm looking at footage of uh, like artist rendering of how this thing works on the inside, and it's sort of like an airplane wing spinning around. Um, yeah, I want to. I want to see more about how they actually get this thing rotating that fast. It just boggles the mind that they could keep machinery together at that speed. Yeah, I also want to see how. Um, yeah, how how does the release bit happen? Like, how do they? Yeah, I mean, you can. I'll just post this. I haven't watched this with sound on because we're talking right now, but uh, we'll see if this rendering came from Spin Launch. I'll put the link in here if you want to play it without sound. But uh, yeah, it's pretty pretty badass of course 30,000 so they got it to 10,000 G's and only got up to 30,000 feet which isn't like commercial like that, yeah. airplanes go higher than that so like it seems like they have not proven right, this, this is, is a... I know this is like the smaller version but like that 100 meter one that seems like a recipe for disaster I don't know mm. I hope it works though yeah it'd be very cool that's pretty sweet uh, do you want to um some more unpleasant science oh. or at least an unpleasant way of generating some science this is yes a story sent sure. in by meg hebing this is uh leds sustainable leds that have come back from microwaving fish what which is the the most anti-social thing you can do and i'm including murder in that <laughs> but yeah when fish when fish scales undergo microwave pyrolysis when they're heated to temperatures as high as 800 degrees. It turns out they quickly and efficiently create a nanoform of carbon known as carbon nano-onions. <laughs> nano-onions. This in the register reports. Uh, CNOs, pre- yeah, also known as multi-layer fullerenes, have a variety of potential applications, but one major drawback, according to the research team, they're tough to make. Some methods require hearth synthesis conditions, such as high temperatures or vacuum, while others demand a lot of time and energy. Some techniques can circumvent these limitations, but instead call for complex catalysts, expensive carbon sources, or dangerous acidic or basic conditions. The so basic. So basic. The, so, so, so basic. Uh, CNOs are a cousin to carbon nanotubes and were first reported in 1980, roughly around the same, same time carbon na- nanotubes were made practically usable. CNTs, carbon nanotubes, are easier to produce and have found their way into a variety of products, including products rather, including proprietary NanoRAM built by memory maker Nantero. Unlike the tube-shaped CNTs, CNOs, the onions, are made up of concentric shells of fullerenes that resemble multiple layers of cages within cages. They have a large surface area as well as large electrical and thermal conductivity, which results in them glowing with a brightness 10 times higher than that of previously reported CNOs synthesized via conventional methods. 
They they emitted. Nope. Oh, sorry. They emitted light with a forty percent quantum yield, which is a measure of fo- measurement of photons emitted to. F- uh, it was a measurement of photons emitted to photons absorbed. So it's a 40% quantum yield. I hadn't heard the expression quantum yield. It sounds very sci-fi, but I guess it's real. Is this, by the way, Andy, quick detour. Is this the is this the dog that is still unclaimed or is this? I guess I'm not editing that out then because, yes, this no, is. What's uh, <laughs> yeah, what's, what's going on with this dog? I, I didn't know that was your the, place. The CNTs. Um, uh, yeah, I found a dog on the street on Tuesday. Uh, the most adorable dog, but a dog wearing a collar and a leash that clearly belongs to someone. Oh, well, gosh. I mean, or do you no, not think? Uh, yeah, well, I think, I think intentionally abandoned though. Yeah. A leash, but no ID tag and no chip. And she's not fixed. I think she's like six months old, some kind of oh, no. pit mix, but uh, Andy, adorable. do you have a dog now? I don't know. It's been yeah, you four do. And a half days. Come here, girl. Come here. Because that dog was adorable. The pictures you posted I mean, were yeah, of course you do. attached. I don't. I mean, did. I don't know if I could. Well, it's the the problem is like the unknowns of the L.A. apartment and things. When I'm there, uh, yeah. If I were only living in the desert forever from now on, it's a good chance we'd do this. But I don't even know if I'm allowed to have, like, the pit mix thing is. Uh, yeah, you can't. She's have, very good. Uh, LA is. I just don't know what they're gonna. Yeah. What is? What do you mean? Adorable for pit mixes. Well, yeah. I just don't know. Like some apartments have rules. I don't know how she's gonna be there i haven't seen what she's like with other dogs because i don't know she probably doesn't have shots so i can't even take her around dogs to see what she's like around them but you know yeah. i want to find out my friend has a rescue or brian cook and his uh, partner have they work with the pit rescue but before they can even list her they want to know how she is with other dogs i'm like well it's going to be a long time before i can get the shots even so i can't even i don't know what the procedure of things to help i don't mind fostering her for a while but um right i don't know well, I don't yeah know she may need term. dewormer and all that stuff too yeah but she's housebroken and she sleeps through the night and she doesn't really bark aside from right then. And like my neighbor has a bunch of Tony, crazy Tony has all those dogs yeah. and they were standing at the fence barking at her as they were walking yesterday and she didn't even look at them. Like she Side didn't. note, is there wow. ever not a crazy Tony? Like isn't there's, every a, Tony yes, there's a always Tony. a crazy Tony. <laughs> By the way, crazy Tony beat cancer, he told me, uh, magically. Like, Did he oh, punch nice. it with One his session. I just, I don't know what to believe about anything. I don't know if he ever had, I know he was emaciated and he's less so now, but like he also was net, was refusing to go get treatment in spite of telling me he had stage four pancreatic cancer. And I was trying, like trying to like somehow tell him like, I don't know if you're lying, but if you're not lying, that's a death sentence. You can't put this off. If you are lying, you know, uh, via con Dios or whatever. Uh, but you know, cause I was driving him to the grocery store and like, when someone's a bullshitter, you don't know which things to believe, but he says he can't leave because no one will take care of the dogs when he's getting treatment. I'm like, yeah, but if you don't do this, you'll be dead in a year and the dogs will eat each other. And like, this is going to be a horrible outcome if you don't take care of it. So then he claims he went and got treatment and the cancer is gone. I'm like, okay. So then one part of these is a complete lie. I don't know <laughs> which things are. Um, I anyway. don't know. I don't, I don't believe that because Tony is a notoriously <laughs> honest man yeah. whose stories all check out. So, <laughs> and Nancy's been in the hospital for like nine months now. I don't know what he's paying his bills with because his only money came from her and her family is back in the picture now and has power of attorney and wants him gone, which I would too. He's a freeloader and it's her house, but she, I don't know if she'll ever come back from the hospital. I called one time when I thought she had nobody, but Tony to, to call the hospital to see if I could hear what's going on. And they said, the nurse I talked to said she thinks she'll never return to baseline but Tony thinks she'll be back any day. I'm, it's it's crazy. The whole thing's crazy. It's going to end very badly. It's just a matter of which way it ends badly. Does it involve somebody getting eaten by dogs eventually? Or <laughs> I don't know. Mm, anyway. Tony, get your act together, Tony, if you're listening. Yeah. It's too uh, late. But it's too late. And speaking of getting their acts together, the researchers admit they're not quite sure why their new method, which involves extracting and cleaning fish scales from fish waste and then zapping them for a few seconds, works. They, they think it has something to do with the collagen in the scales quickly absorbing microwave energy, allowing them to thermally decompose through pyrolysis. Once the pyrolysis takes hold, the scales emit gases that support assembly of CNOs. And the researchers say what's remarkable about this approach is it needs no complex catalyst, no or harsh conditions, nor prolonged wait times. They can be converted in less than 10 seconds. And they have properties that make them particularly well suited to use in various applications because they automatically functionalize, which means they have bonds on their surface, making them easier to disperse in solvents. Uh, um, the CNOs prepared with conventional methods are typically bare and have to be functionalized through additional steps. And in addition to automatic functionalization, 
The researcher said the CNOs made using their methods have very high crystallinity, which is remarkably difficult to achieve using biomass as a starting material. They demonstrated their use of fish-derived CNOs in blue light emitting thin films that worked in solid devices, and while dispersed in water, ethanol, and isopropanol. Uh, Though no footage of the demonstration was provided. Oh, guys. Guys, suspicious. 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 Do you have like... footage, but it's with your girlfriend in Canada? What's going on here now? <laughs> Where did they... Uh... Like, why did they decide, like, hey, this this is what I'm going to try? That's always puzzling yeah. to me. They, yeah, like, what made them like the fish in the first place? I don't know. I do I, not know. I mean, there's, like, there's fish that light up right now, like the angler fish, right? That's what it's called, the angler fish. Yeah. Like, one of, like, there's mm-hmm. a bunch of, there's loads of bioluminescent uh, yeah, they, sea creatures. They light up, and I'm wondering if they thought, like, hey, they're doing something to light themselves up. We can tap yeah, into that. Know. Like, but let's then let's microwave it. Well, this is obviously like somebody is just horrible with the office microwave at lunchtime. Yeah. And then yeah. trying to defend it. like Sort of like the, the discovery of penicillin, right? Like they were like, oh, it was an orange peel in my locker, whatever. Like they were like, I just right. wanted to fuck this fish up as much as I can. So I put it in the microwave for 10 minutes. No, I just mean it, it makes the whole place <laughs> reek. Like anyone, you're a pariah of the, you're a pariah of the office if you like bring fish stuff you know what I mean? At, yeah. at lunchtime. I worked in a lab with this lady that would like, she'd bring like full lobster where she'd, she'd like prepare it fully. Like it was horrible. Jesus it was like, Christ. Just get a sandwich. In front of you. Yeah. Like doing all sorts of, like just get, bring a sandwich. What are you doing? It reeks. It's going <laughs> to reek all day. This is horrible. Get out of here, lady. Um, Shame on her. So it does. It does say uh, that the stable optical properties could enable us, this is one of the researchers said, could enable us to fabricate large area emissive flexible films and LED devices and will open up new avenues for the development of next generation displays and solid state lighting. So it could make LEDs and QLED displays much cheaper to produce. I qu- Question, if you're a vegan, where do you stand on, on fish screens? Hmm... <clears throat> I mean, but aren't there so many things that vegans have to accept at some point in their development involves some kind of animal, whether it's a medicine or. Yeah, I think there's a lot of overlooking of a lot of things where you have to be. um, Um, Just by the way, the the uh, the readers of the register have really, really enjoyed themselves in the comment section because including. Uh, glow long and thanks to all the fish oh and boy. all these bold claims with the eye in brackets with no video evidence some things as in clams do you get it oh, clams. Some things, oh my something God. smells fishy oh. and then someone else said the best bit the scales come from fish waste so you can have your skate and eat it that doesn't even work that doesn't even that does, they're reaching I mean that's first of all no one even skate I think, doesn't even sound like cake that's not even right. close to and I think like, isn't that not even like an, isn't there a different word in America for that kind of fish or not am I crazy I don't know but I think the register is originally a British website yeah I think skate is a British term for a fish but I could be wrong um, and then the I one after it's even worse did you see the one from Adam Ford? Yeah, yes, I did. I'm glad they found a porpoise for this waste, but I won't carp on about it. You know. Well, when you say porpoise, it's uh, not as yeah. <laughs> fun of porpoise. a play on words. But yeah. I feel like they're gonna they're gonna find I were, a way I were... to harness this, and they're gonna be like, it's cheaper for everybody, and then somebody will get in there and ruin it. So you know, because like we can't, you know, upend the light bulb industry, like. These people, you know, they have like that's they're gonna be like, no, we need money, dude. Like it's planned obsolescence. Like the original big, light bulb is light. still fucking lit. Like, you, mean, <laughs> you know, like why? Is big Edison is gonna step in. And, uh, yeah, they're gonna be like, no, we gotta make sure that this uh, light bulb goes out so that you buy more. So kill more fish, microwave them all. Uh, <laughs> microwave them all. My favorite <laughs> Metallica re- record. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Easily the most chill Metallica record. We should wrap up the main episode and, and do one extra story for the Patreon patrons. But uh, Charles, where can our listeners find you and everything you do? Um, you can go to my website, IamCharlesGreaves.com. You check me out on Instagram, IamCharlesGreaves. Um, same with Twitter or, you know, uh, Stay at Home Dad Comedy. That's my hashtag. You'll find it everywhere. So. <laughs> 
That's awesome. You can find us probablyscience.com. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Probably Science, individually at Andy T. Wood, at Jesse Case, and at Matt Kirshen. Probablyscience at gmail.com is the email address for any questions, comments, clarifications, and stories you want us to talk about on the show. Send those all in. We put links on the website to all of the stories we cover, and that's also where you can find the PayPal and Patreon links. Thank you, everyone who supports. And thank you, everyone who supports by writing nice things about us on the internet and spreading the word. We yeah. really appreciate it. And thank you, Charles, for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it listeners we'll see you all at the medieval fight club we will bye bye no horns